I don't know about you, but I've got a hard time getting motivated, especially when it comes to doing something hard, something that might take a lot of time or cost a bit of money or even be a little scary. Life's journey can be tough enough just trying to get by making it from one day to the next. But every once in a while, you come across someone who prompts you to action. They get you psyched up and excited because you can see they're going places. And the next thing you know, you get swept up in the momentum. And just like that, your own life's journey heads in a completely different direction. You follow that person right down a new road of adventure. Last fall, I met a guy just like that. My name is Dominic Gill. I have just produced a film about cycling a tandem bicycle from the top of Alaska to the bottom of South America, which took just over two years, and picking random strangers up on the back with the hook line of this film. And I managed by the end of it to have about 270 odd new friends. Take a piece, take a piece of the pie. Realize that what we do is a crime. Before you get the wrong idea, I didn't get on the back of that bicycle. I can tell you, though, that had I met this guy riding down the coast of California, I would have climbed on board in a second. Dominic Gill was one of a few dozen movie producers I met during the 2009 Banff Mountain Film Festival. His documentary called Take a Seat follows his two-year journey on a tandem bicycle over 20,000 miles of open road asking total strangers to pedal behind him on what he calls the stoker seat. His travels brought a fresh sense of adventure into the hearts and minds of everyone he met or who tagged along on the ride. I'm James Mills, and you're listening to The Joy Trip Project. Take a seat, we take a seat in our cars. We drive around, making everything ours. But as we get to the end of the The film is called Take a Seat. Yes. And you rode a tandem bicycle, basically the length of North and South America. What was your primary purpose in doing this film? What was your goal? I've always been interested in adventure. I'm a climber, really, not a cyclist, but everyone can ride a bike. And I was very interested in exploring that transect. And I chose that transect particularly because going from Alaska or North America in general to Bolivia, El Salvador, and further south, you go from some of the richest and most, in inverted commas, developed countries in the world to some of the least. And there's no other very obvious geographical line in the world quite like that. But my goal, well, there were were a few of them, I guess. One was actually just to make a documentary about the strangers that graced my stoker's saddle, And the other was probably quite narcissistic, quite egotistical. I wanted to prove that I could do it and uh, and cycle the bike on my own if necessary, which I did for over half the time. But very quickly, that one, which was probably the most important, being a sort of egotistical climber, that was the most important initially. That faded away gradually as I realised that I was surviving purely on uh, companionship, friendship and and hospitality, which, which came without me even looking for it. So what was your pitch? How did you get people to take a seat on the back of your bicycle? Well, I, that sort of developed as I, as I went along. 
initially I, I had no practice and I would literally get chatting to the very few people that I met in, in Alaska and the time came in a conversation where there was a, a, a blank spot and I'd say, so, uh, you know, do you, want to do you want to ride with me? Or And they would usually think you're joking, maybe take a step sideways so they could see that actually it wasn't a normal bike, it was a, it was a tandem, they could see the empty back seat. And... It, that I found, I think that surprised some people so much that they couldn't say no. And then, as as the trip developed, and my website gained a little bit of momentum, I didn't really need a pitch. People just wanted to jump on, because uh, I think a lot of people wanted to have always wanted to do an adventure like that, but haven't got the wherewithal one way or another to do it. And it might be they haven't they ha they haven't got the dream sufficiently strong in their head to actually organize the trip then i roll up everything organized spare back seat they don't need to bring anything other than a sleeping bag and they're done that's it the average was a day of riding with you you also had a span of an hour to six weeks what was it that determined how long someone would ride with you at any given stretch of time well, that depended as well in in the culture and the sort of in an anthropological way in, in the north i would meet tourists a few tourists that go up to alaska and locals the tourists would be on a schedule it might be a loose one it might be a pretty tight one and that usually determined how long they'd be with me maybe their partner had to pick me pick them up again in a day maybe two days or maybe half a day you know um <clears throat> the further south if 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 the the passenger was a, a host of mine Maybe they had work to do, but it was a Sunday afternoon, so they'd come for the rest of the day and then go take a, get picked up and go home again. Um, I was particularly excited about picking people up in Latin America. I thought that was what was going to be uh, really eye-opening, you know, to picking up a little Peruvian hill farmer that needed to get his, his goats to market or whatever it might have been. Um, and actually, that was a bit naive because not only is free time and having fun a bit of a, 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 a rich man's sort of prerogative but these people simply are, are too busy yeah they're too busy surviving to have time to jump on on a bike and, and have a bit of fun for half a day you know they're keeping their family alive or whatever it may be but also the idea to them is so alien that it probably wouldn't appeal it sounds to me like you've had an opportunity to meet a lot of different people were there any stories in particular that you found compelling that might have significantly flavored the spirit of your ride? Yeah, and they weren't necessarily companions. They weren't necessarily stokers on the back of the bike. But one story that, that's very strong within me was a story actually in, in the most unlikely of places for me. I'd, I thought as I was riding through California that it would be very beautiful, but it wouldn't be that enlightening. I know California, it's beautiful. But it's North America, you know, and, and it's kind of like where I come from in the UK, but bigger. And I was cycling into a pretty ugly city called Lompoc, just north of Santa Barbara. And I was, I think I was in an ice cream cafe or something, just getting a milkshake. And outside was a, an elderly gentleman looking at my bike. And I went outside because I, I like to talk to people with any interest in, in the trip. And I found Ernie who was just over, over 70, quite a frail-looking man, big scraggly beard, and, and from California. And he asked me all sorts of questions, and I said, well, hey, I'm, I'm going to Santa Barbara tomorrow, you should join me. And I could see, it, it was very telling, it was a, a telling moment that 
in his mind he was going through all the reasons he couldn't got to feed the dog got to do some paperwork got to clean the house all those things that prevent us from doing what we want or think we think they do and I said okay that's fine you know and uh, he said his wife was very sick he had to look after his wife I wasn't going to argue with that I said if you change your mind I'll be I'll be here for another half hour probably half an hour later he came back and said I realized I would probably regret this for the rest of my life and I don't know how long that's going to be so I would love to come with you tomorrow sure enough the next day he turned up like clockwork nine o'clock in a pair of very aging set of cycling gear you know quite very clean but made of felt or something you know he was a keen cyclist he told me 40 years before and we cycled the 60 miles 70 miles to Santa Barbara which is a long way in the hot sun you know if you're not used to cycling the bike weighed about 200 pounds with all my gear on it he nearly died you know I nearly killed him but he I couldn't stop him from smiling at the end of the day and I, I asked him what his sick wife thought did, did she think he was crazy for doing this trip and he said well I've got to come clean with you Dominic my wife died I think four or six months ago to the day and I knew my, my this day was going to be a dark day for me and I, that's why I really decided I must come with you my life has, has ground to a halt since she passed away and so the long of the short of it was he was so so pleased to have sort of got up and started turning the crank again and the offshoot of the that it got even better for me and him. A, a local journalist wrote some online story about it, and his one of his children, who through some family, you know, some family disagreement years and years before, had basically excommunicated Ernie, I think, got back in touch with him. So his two children, who who he hadn't spoken to for I think 20 or 30 years, got back in touch with their father. And uh, Ernie discovered he had two grandchildren he never even knew about. So the whole, just the journey was a sort of chaos theory of positive knock-on events, which I was, I suddenly, it turned the the journey for me into some, you know, kind of lucky English school kids adventure where you meet crazy people to something where I really realized I could, benefit people and I could I could inspire people and, and they could certainly inspire me. Well, it sounds that like there's a lot of incidental adventure that you're <coughs> providing to people. I mean, that for whatever reason, they couldn't motivate themselves. I mean, like you said, you had everything that they need to get started. Is that part of what you're providing, the ability to, um, to come outside of themselves long enough to have an adventure? I, I think... As time went on, I definitely realized that I should be offering this as an opportunity, not, uh, which doesn't mean I would behave any differently, but it was something that I should be aware of and that I should make an effort to encourage people to jump on um, rather than, you know, sometimes if they were a little bit overweight or if I thought I was coming through a difficult section of country and they were going to slow me down because I'd got pretty strong by then, Sometimes I wasn't all that keen. I didn't look that hard to get people on the back. And that's not right. And I, I'm, I'm ashamed of that in some ways. But when I did have someone on the back, a large percentage of the time, we parted company. And I certainly felt a profound loss when they left. And I sincerely hope that all those people gained something as, as valuable as the loss that I, I had kind of inferred. So what do you want to have happen with your film? We're here at the Banff Mountain Film Festival. Where does your movie go from here? 
well, I'm um, first of all from here. I'd love it'd be great for it to be recognised somehow. But it's already on the on the world tour. Uh, it's been picked for the world tour, which is fantastic because there are so many people in in Latin America. It's very hard for them to see it, and this would be a fantastic way of, of me basically saying a little thank you for the incredible hospitality I've shown. It's also being hopefully sold throughout the world's TV networks, but more importantly, this film. It's 47 minutes of 158 hours, and it's such a small part of the story. But since it's it's beginning to end, it's quite hard to then re-edit to make a series. You know, you've, you've, I've kind of shot myself in the foot there. But more than that, it's it's got my feet firmly on on the bottom rung of the ladder of the adventure film world. And I actually, funnily enough, want to move ahead this coming summer with Ernie, the old Californian man's last big dream, which is to cycle across his own country. Uh, now this man has lymphocytic leukemia and uh, an erratic heart so it's it's not something that should be taken lightly and it's certainly not something he'd do on his own without being on a tandem and someone like me helping him out so that is the next documentary project The film Take a Seat is on tour with the Banff Mountain Film Festival. Check in with your local gear shop or adventure outfitter for show dates and times in your community. Dominic plans to ride with Ernie across the United States this summer. He's still looking for funding, so if you're interested in supporting or at least following their ride, visit takeaseat.org. For the Joy Trip Project, this is James Mills. New music this week by the band Trees on Fire. Special thanks to the New Belgian Brewing Company for underwriting travel expenses to Banff that made this podcast possible. Also, thanks to our sponsors, Recreational Equipment Incorporated, REI, and Patagonia. We don't take money from just anyone. Sponsors of the Joy Trip Project support our mission of an active lifestyle through outdoor recreation and community involvement. Support us by supporting them. Find links to their websites on ours at joytripproject.com. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by posting a link to it on your Facebook page or send it as a tweet to your friends on Twitter. Social media is a vibrant exchange of ideas. Join the conversation by becoming engaged. Post your comments to the Joy Trip Project blog or send us an email at info at joytripproject.com. Share your stories. Share your passion for outdoor recreation, environmental conservation, acts of charitable giving, and practices of sustainable living. And you just might inspire our next joy trip together. But most of all, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, take care. <laughs>